I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. On the podcast today, fans, we've uh, Wes Hutkowitz. Everyone's going to know Wes. Uh, he was with the Green Bay Press Gazette for like forever. And now he's with a, a little unknown site that you may have heard of called Packers.com. Wes, how are you? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. That's a great introduction. Yeah. What, I mean, what made you take the step down to go to the official Packers website? I mean, Jesus, that must be a, a cut in pay and prospects, no? Yeah, you know, it's a little upstart thing we got going there. Um, you know, kind of a, you know, a, like a groundswell movement. Um, okay. No, it, uh, yeah, 10 years uh, at the Press Gazette, almost. It would have been 10 years in September and, you know, half of that covering the Packers. Yeah. Uh, this has been a really amazing experience and to have an opportunity now to, to work for the team and, uh, we're doing a lot of cool stuff on our digital website and, you know, not just the written stuff, but, you know, some of the, the multimedia things too. And, you know, as we're talking now in this podcast, I mean, that's kind of how things are now it's, it's going in that direction. So, um, it made a lot of sense for me and wanting to stay in green Bay. I don't know if there's a better place that you can work. So, but that's the thing, Wes, I mean, you, what age are you? 28, 29 and you've peaked already. I mean, what's next? <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you start to play for the Packers then at age 31? <laughs> You know, it was, uh, it was, it was kind of funny. Uh, the offensive line coach, James camp and actually came up to me, um, in practice, uh, about a couple weeks back and, uh, congratulated me and said, you know, next thing you know, you're going to be running the place. Um, <laughs> cause he, he joked with me back in 2012 when I started at the paper yeah. or started, I started with the Packers like full time on the beat. I went into the assistant coaches availability with Rob Domofsky and, uh, James thought I was his intern at first. Uh, oh. So, so he was kind of playing back on that. And, uh, you know, again, you know, like there's just so many great people and, the, and some really great people I work with on our digital side of it too. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was important for me to stay in green Bay. I'm sure there's a lot of people, a lot of fans out there, uh, kind of wish that this is where they could live. And for me, I was blessed and fortunate enough to, to be born here. So it's, it's been a fun ride. Well, that's it. I mean, over here, we have to spend the full month's wages to try to get across the pond to see a game. And we're yeah. going to be heading over in October. But I mean, Wes, we're passionate fans and we don't even live in the country. What's it like to write for fans who you say one thing and then they call you out on it? I mean, do you, do you get sure. fans sort of approaching you and attacking you over some of the stuff you write? Yeah, uh, I, my hair took a beating, too, when I got <laughs> oh, hired. Um, like everybody, I, I went I went all those years at the paper. No one ever really commented on my physical appearance. And then that first week, it was like everybody was saying I need to get a new haircut now because I got to grow up. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, you know, sometimes the, the nice thing about it in this day and age in 2016 is there's so much access to some really awesome people. Um, and, and so many people have different backgrounds and and, you know, experiences. Uh, it's awesome to be able to interact with that and to have people comment on stories and, and give their two cents on things. For the most part, uh, people are usually pretty good. Uh, every once in a while, you know, someone will kind of tell me that, you know, there was a couple times on the, the Packers News Facebook page when I was at the Press Gazette that people would remind me that I'm the worst writer that ever lived and, and I don't know how to do my job. But, for the most part, there's so many amazing people that I've connected with, um, you know, social media wise, everything, um, and some really good friends that have been born out of that. So yeah, I think that's the most fun thing. Yeah. No matter what, no matter what you're doing, uh, there's such an insatiable appetite for Packers and, and people are just, they just eat it up and to have that opportunity to sort of bring that to them and, and tell those stories, uh, has been 
by far the most rewarding part of this job so far. And how different is it, Wes? I mean, because, you know, if you're with the Green uh, Bay Press Gazette, you can kind of not criticize the team, but you can say, hey, he didn't have a good game. Do you have that license now, working with Packers.com, that everything has to be super positive? Do you have sort of a remit that you have to follow now? And are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm totally cool with it. Uh, And I think, you know, I don't think it's anything like where I'm being curtailed and, you know, I can't, you know, say what I'm thinking. You know, I think all the ideas and generations that I come up with, idea generations that I come up with, you know, over these last two months, uh, they've all been, you know, about, you know, my ideas and and executing them to the best of my ability. And I've, I've really been pleased with the amount of freedom I've been given with that and some really cool opportunities to do some neat stuff too. I, I mean, there will have the Packers yearbook coming out uh, in another month. And there's, there's two stories in that, that I'm really proud of, um, that I worked pretty hard on, uh, over the last two months to, to produce for that. And, you know, really, I, I, like I said to Mike Spofford, who's my colleague now at Packers.com, he actually worked at the press gazette, uh, before I got there, our, our paths never crossed there, but I've gotten to know him really well during my time on, on the Packers. And, you know, really it's, it's doing the same job I've always done. I mean, at, at, the, at the end of the day, I, I like, telling people stories. I like informing people, um, you know, and there, there's obviously going to be some changes involved in that, but I, I still, when I wake up in the morning, it's still amazing to be able to do this job and, and to do it in a way that I think, um, I don't know, I can't think of any other word, but like artistic license, uh, isn't yeah. compromised. I, I think I, I still have, that's the thing I've been the most pleased with is that, um, you know, it still really is me in those stories. And even if it isn't on the same website that it was for the last, you know, few years. Because you definitely have a personal style. And I think that's how, because us international fans, because I'll, I'll sort of say it like this, right? Sometimes when you're not a fan in the country, you get a lot of stick for it, right? So we have American sure. fans who like football. And of course, over here, they're like, Americans, what do they know? You know, and <laughs> it's, it's crazy when you think of it because, and it only really hit me because um, in Ireland, it's kind of weird, right? That we have our amateur sports, which is hurling and Gaelic. If you haven't seen hurling or Gaelic, quest, look that stuff up on YouTube. Hurling I got oh, to get on that. Oh, yeah. it's, it's the fastest game in the world, hurling. It's a little ball called a slitter. And these lads have sticks of wood, like hockey sticks, but they've got sort of a bigger head. And these guys are the toughest men that you'll ever face. They're, that's why <laughs> I think I took the NFL, right? Because soccer... People are diving on the ground. You know, he's pronounced dead by a priest. They're about to take him off, put him in his coffin. <laughs> and then he gets a free kick. And, oh, he's okay again. You know, like, he's fine. I, yeah, I yeah. think they should be giving out free kicks and yellow cards at hospitals because if it has that effect, <laughs> that, you know, it stops someone from dying. I mean, give the guy, you know, with who's fallen from a car, a red card or something, and he'll just jump up off the ground. Everything will be okay. I mean, but right. Ireland, it's a tougher sport. We have hurling in Gaelic. Um, but... So, and we've supported kind of the English Premier League soccer over here. So, you know, air culture is quite used to supporting a sport and saying words like, we won the game on Sunday. And you're thinking, right. did, did you talk out for your team? I'm like, no, no, I watched them on TV while I drank a beer. And they go, well, we is a bit of a loose word to use. So we have that culture in Ireland where we're used to looking abroad and seeing a sport. But more so in England, and I represent the UK Packers, is that anytime an American would say, I like football, it's going, well, what do you know? And it only hit me that, when you're a foreign fan like we are and we look at the Packers, the only way that we can get exposed to the sport without it being in our blood, like for a guy like you, born and raised in Green Bay, is that we read about it. So we read guys yeah. like you. You know, we read all the stats. We, we could ream off all the stats off the top of our head. Like, oh, yeah, a man Green had 1,800 rushing yards in 2003 against the Denver Broncos. You know, and we could right. ream all the stuff off. Whereas maybe as an American, because you're exposed to it all the time anyway, 
you don't read up as much about it. You sort of more organically watch the game. So I feel that we get an awful lot of stick for being foreign fans, but we might not. I'm not going to say we know more than the Americans. That'd be blasphemy, right? But we, I think, you know, we deserve a bit of credit. How aware are the Packers organization and guys like yourselves of that sort of international following? Is it a big deal in Green Bay or is it just kind of a side product to what you do? Well, I think it's something it, to me, it's a big deal. And I think it's something that now that we have social media and things that can, you know, it's not just a tour group or something like that from like the nineties where, you know, it's, it's, you know, people like yourself and in collections of fans coming over and doing things. And it just kind of goes unnoticed. I think one of the coolest things about this now is you can see, I mean, even like our metrics on our stories, we can see where people are reading from. I mean, that's incredible. And I said this before when I was at the Press Gazette, too. I think when I was doing a, um, you know, a podcast with one of the the Italian, um, you know, fan groups, uh, the thing that's amazing to me is that you you talk about, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, maybe, you know, turning a nose or something like that to, well, you know, we're we're from Green Bay. We know football. I had one of the most informative talks, you know, with with people, you know, international fans um, yeah. that know everything. They know who Dom Capers is using in his in the slot role on the dime. I mean, like, yeah, th- th- that's the thing that probably stuck out to me the most in terms of uh, just the overall knowledge, because I think you bring up a great point. You research this a lot because, yeah, it's not just at your fingertips every single waking moment. And I think sometimes that's where you get the most hardcore diehard fans is the ones that can't be there live. They're the the ones that can't maybe get up to Green Bay, you know, whether that's in the United States or people coming over internationally, that they just take in every single bit of information they can get their hands on. I think that's one of the things that's been really fun about this generation and and coming up in this generation of journalism and and communication is just the the really – interesting avenues of connecting uh with fans and and that's one of the things i'm looking forward to i think during hopefully you know during my time here in the next couple of years is maybe trying to bring out more of those stories and in connecting on those those kind of platforms because realistically that's that's the one thing about the nfl is it's becoming a worldwide game we're seeing that now with you know the games and you know in england and, and now mexico city china uh it, everybody has an interest in it. I think everybody um, ki- kind of wants to maybe just get a feel for for what this game is. If you're not familiar with it, or even if it's something that you followed for a while, but now I can actually see it in person. Um, th- that, in, in a very long answer to your question, I think that's probably the most fun about this job right now is the opportunity to to be able to engage that audience and and be able to um, you know talk Packer football, even if it isn't you know a person that was born and raised here. Yeah, and do you think that uh, NFL clubs are trying to catch up? Because Absolutely. You know, yeah. because what we see is, especially from a UK perspective, there's been a Bears fan club over here since the 80s because the Bears, as you know very well, Bears dominated in the 80s. And the same right. for the Patriots, same for the Raiders, all these teams that were kind of, you know, legacy good and kind of a bit bad now, right? Because the Bears suck. So <laughs> <laughs> may I just add that in? That's quite okay. Um, you know, so these, these lads have been going since the 80s and then they kind of caught up to Twitter and Facebook and like... You know, the, and from what we see over here, Robert Kraft regularly name drops the UK Patriots fan group. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the Chiefs, they have this. Uh, we're good friends with a guy called Tom Childs. He runs uh, Arrowheads Abroad, he calls it. So it's the Kansas City Chiefs group. And the Kansas City Chiefs, they send sort of merchandise over for him to, to run competitions. And they're very involved. 
But kind of what we find with the Packers is, is that we, you know, we've tried to contact the organization sort of in a, in a official capacity to say, hey, guys, look, we're here. You know, like we're because me and myself and the other guy who founded the group, his name is Ryan Peacock. And we grind every day. We're on Twitter every day, Instagram every day, you know, trying to connect fans together, trying to organize fans to get. We have sort of a travel agent guy that we just keep referring people to the go over and say, go over with him. You know, he gives good packages and stuff. Do you think sure. the Packers have a bit of a while to go before they start recognizing sort of foreign fan groups like ourselves? Well, I will do everything in my powers to make sure that that we get that going. If if that feels like something that uh, you know has been lagging in your mind, um, but yeah, I mean it's 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 you know I, I know the steps the NFL is taking right now, and and you know kind of seeing some of the things on this side of it now to to fully understand, you know, because I think that's that's something even from when I was at the Press Gazette um, that I don't think we always fully maybe grasped yeah. um, that. You know, nowadays, because you go back to like when you mentioned like, you know, some of these fan groups going back to the 80s and things like that, uh, it just wasn't it wasn't always out there. It wasn't it wasn't something where you and I could connect on Skype or, you know, we could, you know, connect on Twitter, DMs, mentions, Facebook, you know, (laughs) Snapchat, all these different things. I, I think that's why it's probably a rapidly evolving process in my mind. And I think as you see these this time move on. Um, you'll see more that more that embraced, you know, not not only in Green Bay but league wide. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, because I mean, there's, I I know there's tons of places even in the the states where you got random, you know, fan bars and things like that. That is just, you know, it's in the most remote places that you would have never even considered or thought of, you know, with it being such an expansive world. Um, and I, again, it's it's one of the things that I think is catching up, and I also think it's probably one of the most exciting parts about all this is you know the opportunities that still lie out there well here's my dream wes and i've been speaking to this with ryan the, the other guy around the group right is that sure. it's very hard to bring the packers so sure if we got a, a green bay packers bar in england there'd be a very small audience so here's our plan yeah. and we want to know if you want to be a partner in all of this right we're going to bring ireland and england over to green bay and start like an expat bar that's green bay packers but very Irish and English in Green Bay. Would you be interested in donating $10 to that bar, West and becoming a silent partner? At West Hod would be extremely interested <laughs> in donating $10 to the fund. That would that would be that would be fine. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm on board. You see, Wes, I have you now. We're gonna start small, and then eventually, <laughs> I just gotta keep hitting you with emails. Going, Wes, I'm sorry, but we need another ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that be just become the silent partner in it. That it's like two years down the line. It's like, come on, man, I'm in twenty five hundred grand now. I mean, or something like that. Yeah, no, no. I mean, that's that's an awesome idea, though, for sure. I mean, you know, one thing that was fun too, um, not to get off track, but there was a, a gentleman that we connected with back in 2013 right. um that was originally from italy and he uh um i his name's giovanni i i would butcher his last name if i tried to, <laughs> to pronounce it but he he was the guy that i think um th- there was a lot of stories written about him in 2010 and 11 when he was the guy that actually got down I, he won't say how he did it but he's the one that got down on the field after the Packers won the Super Bowl, um, yeah, he was on the bench, like he was holding up papers and <laughs> chilling and taking pictures with everybody, and it was like it was cool. And and we nobody to this day knows how exactly he pulled it off. But anyway, uh, in 2013, we went over to New York uh, when the Packers played the Giants. That was the game, yeah, when Scotty Tolzien was was in and had to start with with Rogers and Seneca Wallace being injured. Yeah. So um, we went out to his restaurant, and it was just amazing. I mean, because he had you know the whole Packer. Um, you know, the, the shareholder 
uh, plaque on his wall. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that you just don't always realize. I'm just speaking for myself. Yeah. Just how much that brand resonates with people. And I think that's something that, um, you know, right now, I, I, as I've been in this now for two months and, and seeing the amount of engagement we get, whether it, you know, it's the Asphic column or, you know, Spoff and I stories. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's the biggest thing is trying to just fully come to terms with all that because there is, there's, there's so many, um, you know, as big as the Packers are and as, as, you know, as much resources as I know I have in my department, I think it's sometimes hard to even grasp, you know, how many people we're reaching when we send out a story or, you know, do a release. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, the, the amount of traffic that, that gets generated off that and the interest that, that kind of gets swelled up. Well, you wouldn't believe, and we're coming over in October, and if we don't start the bar in October, you'll have to at least come down and meet the boys and have a pint and talk all things Packers. Absolutely. I will definitely do that. <laughs> and for the moment, I want to pick your brain. Let's talk Packers, and painfully so, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, I'm still getting counsel from it. Let's go back to last season. Wes, sure. Where did it all go wrong? Because I'm looking at all these articles online, everyone's saying, oh my God, the Packers were so deep on wide receiver. Now, that's what I thought. I thought Jordy Nelson... Randall Cobb in the slot, happy days. Devontae Adams is going to make a step up. That's going to be great. Then we have all these explosive guys in the background ready to make the step up. Uh, Jeff Janis, uh, Jared Amberderis. I was thinking, you know, like we're stacked. Then Jordy Nelson went down and I thought, uh, okay, you know, it's, it's a shame that we're not going to be able to stretch the field like that. But we have all these dynamic playmakers. They're mm-hmm. all still there. And the only difference is, is that Jordy should be back. Um, although there was kind of a cryptic message from what I can read it in Mike McCarthy when he said, is everybody going to be back for training camp? And he said, yeah, with the exception of one person, and that's rumored to be uh, Jordy Nelson. What happened last year, and why did why could the wide receivers not get that separation, and could we not dominate? And more so, after game six, because up to game six to the Chargers. I mean, I'm not yeah. going to say we were killing it, but we were 6-0, and oh, so where, right. what happened? Yeah, that was the thing, and, and again, I'm not I'm never going to, cause I've had, you know, I've had this conversation, you know, amongst my colleagues too, over the last couple of months. Cause it, when I was doing our final grades at the press gazette at yeah. the end of the season, I was kind of trying to come to grasp and come to terms with, you know, exactly not necessarily what you could blame, but just yeah. what led to getting to this point. Uh, because all things considered, it still ended up being a pretty successful season and the making the run of the NF, you know, the NFC divisional round coming as close as they did. But I think the one thing, as much as everybody put Jordy Nelson as a top three player, when you look at their entire roster, I don't think I really understood his overall value to the offense, to the, to the level of what it was. Now, a lot of things did kind of turn in the wrong direction for the Packers last year. The injuries on the offensive line, you lose Ty Montgomery. It looked like Ty Montgomery was actually going to become kind of a difference maker for them, gave them some flexibility with how they wanted to use Cobb. And then he, he goes down with the ankle injury. Devontae Adams has the ankle and then develops the knee right when it looks like he's starting to turn things around in Washington. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you have a guy in Jordy Nelson who has basically caught 97% of his NFL passes from one guy. In that develop in that relationship that they had, I, I don't think I fully appreciated exactly what he did for the offense in the terms of not only the spectacular catches, you know, on the boundary and, you know, on the, the sideline, you know, sports science plays that he made. Yeah. I think just overall that presence, six foot three, 217 pounds, you can use him in the slot as, you know, kind of a, a smaller tight end sort right. of, yeah. you know, in the way that they use Jordy Nelson or the way that they used Jermichael Finley back in the day. Yeah. Um, you can move him outside. There was so much flexibility 
that Jordy Nelson gave that offense. And once he was gone, there just wasn't that guy to fill that void. Jeff Janis had the prototype. He has the, the makeup and, and obviously splashed a lot of potential, but he doesn't have that experience that Nelson had and the refinement that Nelson had. Because let's be honest, it did take Nelson three NFL seasons to get to the point in which he became a difference-making you know, receiver in this league at the end of the 2010 season. So um, that, that's kind of where I look at, you know, and then the fact, you know, the running game didn't really do what they needed it to do. I just don't think enough people, enough players, enough whatever um, really came together in that moment after, after Nelson was gone. They just didn't have that guy that rose up and took the reins of that offense. James Jones did it in a little bit of, you know, here and there. Yeah. Randall Cobb, you know, dealing with the sprained shoulder at the beginning of the season. A lot of things, I think, just turned the wrong direction for them. But the fact that they didn't make a whole lot of moves this offseason, you know, bringing in Jared Cook, I think that kind of tells you how much respect they have for Nelson coming back and, you know, in his recovery and, and what they feel this offense can do once he's back on the field. And do you think Jared Cook could be a difference maker? Because if we look at stats alone, PFF have Jared Cook as 53rd in the tight end sure. position out of all tight ends. Richard Rodgers, in comparison to that, was 17th. So all of the news that's sort of coming out, they're looking at Richard Rodgers. And even Richard Rodgers himself came out on Packers.com saying, oh, it's good to have Jared Cook in. He's more experienced than me. You know, I'm going to have to learn a lot from him. To see Jared Cook as kind of the starter, because why would Ted make that splash in free agency if he wasn't going to go in day one? Uh, do you think Jared Cook has that 53rd ranking because he was in a bad team? And do you think he has a lot to offer the Packers? I think he does have a lot to offer the Packers. I, me personally, I really like the signing. Um, even, you know, and that's not just me being working for Packers.com. Now I yeah. liked it when I was at the press Gazette because you signed a guy, obviously they don't, you know, you're, they're trying to, they don't usually go that UF, you know, un, unrestricted free agency route. Yeah. You had Jared cook get released by the Rams. It doesn't count against the compensatory equation. And the thing is you can bring him into this offense. He doesn't have to play 800 snaps next year. Yeah. Him and Richard Rogers can balance themselves off more. And I thought that's one thing that hurt the Packers last year with Andrew Corliss going down is that Richard Rogers had to play a lot of snaps. And I think he did some good things over the course of the season, but Jared Cook is an entirely different body type. He's an entirely different athlete. And I really think those two will complement each other well because I know last year drops were an issue for him and with the Rams. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is when you have Nelson, when you have Cobb, when maybe you have uh, you know, a, a peppering of, of Jeff Janis, there's a lot of deep threats there. And if you have you know Jared Cook in the middle there, and as Mike McCarthy talked about at the owners' meetings, the importance of having a big guy, a big threat over the middle of the defense, those safeties kind of have to pick their poison. I think, again, getting back to your last question too, that's one of the things that I think hurt the Packers last year is teams were able to do a lot of things with the safeties, whether it was dropping one in the box or, or using it to to cover over you know Randall Cobb. Yeah, Jared Cook is going to make them make a decision. And again, when you have him and Richard Rogers, I think that is a pretty good one-two punch. And, and I think that's something in the NFL these days, you need to have two decent, good tight end options. And do you think that we can stretch the field with a guy like Jeff Janis? We all know he has the speed and the potential, but there's all of this sort of lingering stuff online that he doesn't run the right routes. Is that just something that he has to learn or some, or do some people just not get it in the pro game? Well, you know, in, from an NFL perspective, some people just at, don't, just don't get it in the pro game. That happens. But yeah. I like the things I saw with Janice just based on using special teams as an example. Yeah. Uh, the fact, you know, Mike McCarthy mentioned he didn't have a great training camp last year when it came to special teams. He actually sat him down at one point and said, hey, this is an issue. 
And the way that Janice recovered, I mean, he has some amazing physical tools. And I think we saw that in that gunner position, you know, where he's going down. One of the reasons they end up setting a a franchise, I think, record for net net average was Jeff Janice and in in his ability to get down and make plays and forcing some some turnovers even. So now if he can take that and use it offensively. Uh, I, I think there's there's something to be to be said for what he could add to this offense. Now, I don't know. They have a lot of receiving options. You know, with Ty Montgomery coming back, yeah. uh, Devontae Adams. There's a lot, and, and now Trevor Davis too. But I, I'm not saying Jeff Janice has to play 68 snaps a game. But I think there's a role for him in this offense. I think there's things that he can do um, that can help the Packers. And it's just going to be about harnessing that ability. As I mentioned with Jordy Nelson, it took three years for him to to get going. It took Donald Driver, a seventh round pick, yeah. three years to start making a difference in the offense. The fact that Janice has flashed as much as he has on special teams, I think that you know pretty much shows what his value is to this team. Now can he translate it? Can he, can he make that j- jump offensively the Packers have been very patient with them and I I just I I have a lot of faith in Janice not to build that hype train anymore but I just I think there's a lot to like about him and I think he can make a difference for this team in one shape or another yeah so I mean by looking at it on the face of things wide receiver we are stacked as long as as you say you know people keep getting that year's extra experience to become a little bit better tight end I do I I feel the same as you I think Jared Cook he was in a bad team before. Yes, he had the problem with the drafts, but look at the team he was on. And I think yeah. that he does add that extra. You, I don't think you can ignore him. I think that people have to start scheming for a tight end now against Green Bay, which is something that I don't think that we really had, which brings me to the other element of the offense being the running back. I mean, was McCarthy right to, to come out and kind of you know out Lacey's weight issue and say it's an issue, that's what the problem was, he needs to suck it up or he's not, a, not gone, but you know really putting him on blast? Did yeah. Lacey, do you think? Did you think that was good for Lacey as a player? I know he's responded, but is the rapport still there? Do you think? Oh, I think so. Yeah, and then I haven't been, you know, privy to like Mike McCarthy and Eddie Lacey sitting down for tea or anything. But yeah, yeah. I mean, but but I just Mike McCarthy's the boss. You know, yeah. he's the coach, and I actually I kind of like the move. I mean, the the thing is, is that it, things did not go how they wanted to last year, and it's a question that Mike McCarthy had to answer for basically all 19 weeks of the season give or take a couple yeah uh there i, I don't want to use the word frustration here but i mean th- there's a i think there's a build-up you know when you when you you can only spin or sugarcoat things so much at some point you just got to be real and the reality was it just wasn't the season i don't think the packers you know were expecting out of lacy after what he performed the first two but you know i think that's a credit to him that he responded the way he has and the work that he put in this this off season yeah the Lacey's always going to be a naturally bigger back. It's just the way he's formed. It's the way, you know, it's just like anything. Um, and he uses it to his benefit in a lot of the ways that he runs. I think it was more about just trying to get him back to those first two seasons, the the shape that he was in, the, the, the way that he ran. And I, the thing is, I think that sometimes gets lost in all this because I, I know there was a lot of people um, that would that would send me stuff. And, you know, it's just like, well, why, why doesn't, you know, Lacey w- – w- why this is his job. He should care more or whatever. Yeah. Eddie Lacy played the last like six weeks of his rookie season on a high ankle sprain and played some pretty good football too. The reason the Packers made the playoffs in 2013 was Eddie Lacy yeah. uh, and what he did when Aaron Rodgers was gone. He cares about this game. 
He's a very good football player. The question is now, can you get those stars to align again? I think bringing back James Starks was a good move. Those, yeah. That gives you um, a guy that not only has proven to be a solid number two guy in that role, but also has that rapport with Lacey. And there's going to be some hunger guys battling for that, that number three job. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. I don't think we're really going to know, you know, what, what is what until we get to that first game of the regular season, we see what's on the field. But I know, to, you know, hearing from Ben Sermons and, and Mike McCarthy and everybody that's spoken so far, uh, everybody's been really, I think, optimistic about Lacey and now taking these next five weeks, continue to reach, you know, work towards that final goal and getting himself in position for that fourth season and, and trying to, you know, build a comeback. And is it a case, Wes, do you think that, I mean, this is kind of make or break for Lacey with him hitting free agency potentially uh, next year? I mean, is it a case, it, would you go as far as to say that this is a make or break year for him? Uh, well, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. So obviously, if, if things didn't work out, then you know that that's they would he would just be he'd be a free agent. So yeah. it's the bigger thing I think is going to be um, probably more for Lacey. I would think just based on when you look at the contracts that these running backs got last year, the NFL is paying premium dollar for running backs again. There was that little bit of a time where people were wondering us position getting phased out can you just use anybody there yeah oh it's just the offensive line it's not really darren mcfadden or you know demarco murray yeah the thing i look at is you need to put yourself in a position because you don't know how long your career is going to last as an nfl running back the 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 statistics obviously show that 30-year mark is kind of being the the tipping point so i i think for lacy this is an important year to to be rewarded for everything that he did to this point in his career, because he's made an impact. He was the NFL offensive rookie of the year. He's been to a pro bowl. I mean, this is a guy that has put together a pretty good resume in the first few seasons. Can he get back to where he was at originally? It's something that none of us are really going to know. Like I said, until we get to that first game, but I, you know, as far as you look at the make or break perspective, I think there's a lot of stuff out there for Eddie Lacy in terms of what he can accomplish this, what he can do in this offense and, I just think there's going to be a lot of opportunity there for to show that he's still the running back that that everybody thought he was. Yeah, because I mean, uh, as you say, he I, I've no doubt that uh, he'll have a good good year. But we have some players hitting free agency in 2017, and it's quite scary. Like our offensive line back to Ari sitting and Lang. I mean, they all hit free agency. Are they all going to be brought back, or do you think that you know it could be a case that one of those guys doesn't see a Packer uniform? Yeah, I think in. Um... I, if you look at the law averages and I know hearing some of the things that the offensive linemen said when they were asked about this, cause I know basically everybody that I think uh, that was in the starting rotation was asked about this. Yeah. Um, the law averages shows that it's tough to keep offensive lines together for, for, you know, even what the Packers are doing this year with, you know, potentially having that same three starters again, that that's not easy to do in the NFL. Yeah. And it's going to be, you know, the, the, it's the Packers have a lot of options now. You you see, you drafted Spriggs, you drafted Murphy. They brought back all three of their all four of their backups, excuse me, from last year. And JC Treader, Lane Taylor, Don Barclay, who by all accounts had a, has been pretty impressive so yeah. far, and Josh Walker. I think they just they gave themselves a lot of options, and they're just going to probably have to wait and see how things play out. David Bakhtiari, I know, and he was talking to to Mike Spofford and some other reporters. You know, he said he's. He's not, you know, he's not, he knows what's going on. He's not clueless into the fact of, you know, what left tackles in the NFL are making right now. Yeah. But at the end of the day, 
whether it's him, TJ Lang, Josh Sitton, JC Treader, all these guys, all you can really do is put this season out there and, and see what happens. And I think the way the Packers are taking it, the way that they're looking at it right now is they have a lot of potential. They have a lot of possibilities for what they could do with this offensive line. If guys can stay healthy and they're kind of focusing on this year and letting the chips fall where they may, but yeah, certainly when you, when you look and that was one of the reasons I know a lot of people were asking, well, why aren't the Packers signing more free agents yeah. this past off season? I'm like, well, you also got to look at what's coming down the line here. They, they have to make some, when you develop good players, you have to make decisions on those players. You, you're not in a position where you can go spend money on other people's, you know, veterans. You you got to take care of your own. They started that with Mike Daniels, and now going through this season, they'll have to determine, you know, what uh, their course of action is going to be with the the rest of that roster. Yeah, because I think there is that in the NFL a lot as well that people look at free agents, and because they're a recognized name, they just assume that they're good. And I, right. think, and I think as well as that, I, like literally seconds before I came on the podcast, I had a lively, hearty, non-argumentative debate uh, with somebody. <laughs> and I, w- I just put out the stat that BJ Raji, he's retired. People were devastated. But I think an awful lot of that for me personally is people romanticizing back to 2010, do it to Raji, everyone's delighted. But like if we look at two years ago, he was second last in his position. Last year, he was 97th in his position as an interior uh, defender. So, you know, I think, yeah, he's retired, but I don't see him as a huge loss. Now, that could be blasphemy, uh, but I don't. I, I just think that the stats don't lie. Do you think Kenny Clark can step in day one um, as a nose tackle and make an impact, or is it going to be very steep learning curve for him? Yeah, it's, that's that's a number one question because we're talking about a you know a guy that's 20 years old but flashed amazing ability last year. I mean – whatever it was, six and a half sacks and, and, you know, just really showed a lot of not only stoutness against the run and being able to, to anchor that one tech, but, but also being able to generate some pass rush from it. And that's something that I think the Packers benefited, benefited from in 2014 with, with the Troy guy on when, you know, Raji was hurt with some of the the push they got there. And they're hoping that Clark can do it now too. When you talk about Raji, um, you're talking about a guy that, you know, obviously had a lot of years in green Bay, uh, was a voice and a respected leader in that locker room. And I think for a lot of fans, there's a sense of comfort there too. in that, well, you know, when you look at the holes on a roster, you have Raji there. So you don't, you know, you're, you're good. Yeah. But when you take him away, well, now you have question marks and, you know, Mike Pinnell won't be there right away at the start of the season, but Troy Guyon, where exactly is he going to play? Mike Daniels is your typical three tech. It does look like it needs to be Kenny Clark, but I I mean, they have options, you know, if, if they want to bring him in slowly, like they did with ha -Ha Clinton Dix Guyon proved that he can handle the nose tech, you know, the nose spot. And as Mike McCarthy even alluded to this past week, you know, the thing about the way that the NFL is right now, I think he estimated that they ran their sub packages 75 to 78% of the time. So most of the time they are in those two defensive linemen looks or in the dime, only one defensive lineman. So it's not necessarily, I don't think as big of a deal as maybe it would have been say 10 years ago. Yeah. But at the same time, you do need to be ready for those situations. And I think Kenny Clark is a guy that they feel confident can not only play that nose spot, but also give them a, you know, another Mike Daniels type, you know, inside pass rusher in, in passing downs. Yeah, and Mike Daniels, I mean, a guy so hungry. I, we interviewed him on the podcast, and actually he, uh, we asked him, like, who do you see as a bit of a, you know, an undercover beast, kind of a guy that you see that nobody else sees who goes hard in training, goes hard in workouts. 
And he said Latroy Guyon. He said Latroy Guyon yeah. had the best work rate of anybody. Is do you see things like that now with with the Packers working for Packers.com? Do you see stuff behind the scenes and go, people don't know this, but that guy, he's a beast. Yeah, you know that's the one thing we still, you know, obviously I'm, I don't, uh, I didn't, I didn't get a locker or anything like that, you know, <laughs> in, the, in there. I'm, I'm still, you know, up in in my space, but I know how highly that locker room thinks of Latroy Guyon. Uh, he is a very popular guy uh, with that roster, particularly as you said, the defensive lineman and Mike Daniels. Uh, I think that was one of the things too that they lose Raji, but they still do have a, a guy that's seen a lot of NFL. Um, you know, experience and in yeah. and, and downs and, and, you know, the highs and lows of everything. Um, but I, I would have to agree with Mike on that. That's ex- he's exactly right on uh guy on kind of being that beast. I mean, he, uh, he like, like Daniels, he's a guy that now is spending the entire season there, yeah. um, the off season there. And, and I think, you know, obviously he's put a lot into this now trying to, you know, uh, you know, be a guy for this defense and, and someone that they can count on uh as far as myself though i would probably throw nick perry in that category um i i I think sometimes um there's been this this line of thinking that you know while he's had some unfortunate things with injury that you know he isn't he isn't tough and I, i think that's one of the things that yeah there's been some injuries there there's been some things that have happened but this is a guy that has played through a lot for the Packers the last few years. And I talked with him about this about two weeks ago. I mean, that thing that I don't think people realize, okay, so he beat Trent Williams for two and a half sacks had one of the best games of his career against Washington. He was doing it with like this crab claw on his right hand because he had some broken fingers. He, he only had about two fingers that were free in that. And he played most of the season that way. Yeah. Um, In addition to the shoulder injuries and things like that. I think that's one thing that, yeah, okay, you might have some some run-ins with injury, but sometimes I think the toughness factor gets factored. You know, people equate that as the same thing. And I'll tell you what, I, I like jammed my finger once and went crying to my mom. <laughs> I mean, like I, I've never had to deal with anything like these guys deal with. So uh, that's when you talk about like who I consider someone that stands up in that category, I think it's Nick Perry and the fact that he was able to actually get through this whole off season program was able to participate in it because he didn't have any off-season surgeries uh, I think he's one of the guys that that I'm looking to now going into next season that could potentially make an impact with Julius Peppers and, and Clay Matthews outside yeah actually now that you mentioned it is Clay definitely going to the outside it's no question this season yeah you know we asked Dom Capers about that um and you, you know he basically he, he didn't go as far to can like say indefinitely that's what the plan is yeah. um but you know he's like right now that's the way we're operating and I think there's a comfort level there too that if he would need to push back inside for any reason whether if it's just uh, an added look or it's you know an injury whatever it might be I think there's confidence there that he's learned what he's needed to learn there that he can move back to that spot and it won't be like he has to like re sort of acclimate himself to the position. I I think there's a lot of flexibility there with how they use him. Um, But yeah, without a doubt, I think on passing downs, they want to get him outside again. They want him going after the quarterback because you saw it last year too. Um, As, as great as, you know, Danny Trevathan was and in a lot of these inside backers in the league, the best units have the best rushers, the the people that really limit the clock for the opposing quarterback. Yeah. Vaughn Miller did that. And in, I think the Packers are looking at that now is what they need to do with Clay Matthews. They need to get him back in a strong spot. The faster you can get to the quarterback, the less time he's going to have to find, you know, a hole in your defense. And in right now, the way that this rotation lines up with him, 
Peppers. You know, Jay Elliott has shown stuff at times. Yeah. Uh, Perry. I really like Kyler Fackrell. I was going to mention what I've him. Seen from him. Yeah. yeah. A really lengthy kid. Now he's a guy that you know he didn't get all the sack totals that you know might step out to you for a third round pick or, or you know an upper echelon rusher, but he was after the quarterback a lot. He got a lot of pressures and helped with a lot of different disruptive plays in that Utah State defense. So I, I think all those guys together, Laurenti McCray, we haven't seen yet. He's been injured, but um, I, I like that rotation that they have there. They got a nice mix of veteran and young players that I think um, will give them some time to develop those, but at the same time also be able to give, you know, Peppers and Matthews a, a break at times too if they need it. And do you think Fackrell and Blake Martinez, are they going to get some playing time during the season, do you think? Because, as you said, Fackrell was meant to be a beast, especially on third downs attacking the pass rush. He was meant to be seen as pretty devastating. They also dropped yeah. him into coverage as well. Are these guys going to be on the field at the same time as Matthews to allow Matthews to push to the outside and rush the passer? You know, that's a great question. I, I think for sure with Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry, there's going to be, you know, a need for them to be out there right away just because of the, you know, we talked about with the Raji situation and, yeah. you know, obviously they cut Josh Boyd. So there's a lot of open spots there, a lot more competition at those linebacker positions. And, you know, Jake Ryan has looked really good too this off season. He, he's a little bit leaner. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned that he was eating a little cleaner this off season, trying to, uh, you don't, you know, help out with his speed and coverage avail- availability, ability, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and Sam Barrington's coming back too. So I think it's gonna be difficult to say exactly what, you know, we'll probably have to at least get a couple weeks in a training camp to get a feel for what they're looking at with this defense. But certainly from a, from an IQ standpoint, I think Blake Martinez fits the bill. I, I don't think there's going to be an issue at all with him trying to pick up this defense and being able to contribute in it right away. He's a go-getter. And I, He's uh he's one of the most and I've only you know been talking to him now for the last two months but yeah he is one of the most self motivated people I think I've ever met in my life I mean really? it's incredible uh, how big of a self stutter he is and then Fackrell too I mean I think Fackrell he is when the Packers talked about drafting for size and you know trying to add some more size they certainly did that I mean Fackrell yeah. is a giant uh, Jason Spriggs is just a Goliath. I mean, just a <laughs> six foot, almost six, seven. Um, I, I, I don't know if that guy has any body fat on him either. I mean, just, just incredible. And then, uh, Dean Lowry too is, is pretty big. So I, I, I think Fackrell fits into that bill and, and I, I don't think there's going to be a pressure there for him to contribute immediately. So I don't know how many opportunities are going to be there for him, you know, yeah. barring injury, but I, I think the Packers have a lot of reasons to like him and, and, what he brings to the table in terms of his athleticism and also keep in mind um kind of like martinez comes from a three four scheme so i mean he will have you know plenty of this won't be a foreign concept to him at all playing in this defense yeah i mean all facets of the ball really like even down to special teams with uh banjo i mean it seems like the packers are in excellent position but one uh weak point from my perspective and i know there's a lot of stuff fizzing around online is tim maste you know again he's going to hit free agency in a year uh, and they've got people in, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Peter Mortel. He's sort of a yep. local kid. He's in. Is Mastay's job at risk here, or is this like what they did with Crosby, where they brought in a bit of competition because competition's always healthy? Well, you know, the thing was, is Crosby's, when they brought in that competition with Giorgio Tavecchio in 2013, Mason Crosby's job was in, that was a, he was in jeopardy at times. I mean, I go back to that family night. I, yeah, um, I was going to say, yeah, family night he, was very well kicked off, really, wasn't it? He, yeah, he had one of the, the worst days I think he had in his Packers career at family night. I remember talking with Mike Vandermoss, who was my boss at the time, and Pete Doherty, who was still at the Press Gazette. Yeah. And we were like, boy, I, 
I don't know if Mason's going to survive this. And then suddenly right at the end of the camp, he hit his stride. And then he obviously ended up having his best season statistically of his career with Mastay. It's, it's just, um, it's so hard to tell, uh, because I thought he had some really good stretches last year. And I thought there were some stretches where he did struggle. Um, but you know, from a mental standpoint, it seems like he's really on point. Like in, in his, as Ron Zook talked about this past week too, he, this off season has been good for him. He felt this is, this is a, he's had a better off season than he did a year ago. Um, you know, getting back more towards that form he had in 2013, but at the end of the day, it just comes down to what you put out there when you're on the field. And I know there's been a couple instances this year too, where he's had a couple, you know, um, I don't want to say shanks cause it wasn't like, it was like these 10 yard pop-ups, but I mean, just yeah. miss, miss hit type balls. What makes it an interesting challenge from Mortel? Mortel probably doesn't have the leg that Maste has, yeah. But he is a pretty good directional punter. That's something he did a lot in Minnesota, and it's something the Packers asked Maste to do quite a bit of last year. Yeah. You know, kicking a lot sideline to sideline. So I think that's going to be probably where the competition is. The only thing I have a firm, pretty good belief in is that I think this will be a bigger competition than what it was last year when they cut Cody Mendel like a week into training camp. Yeah, uh, I, I can see this one going and stretching out a little bit longer. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, Mastay, there's a lot of familiarity with Crosby, you know, not only in his punting, but in the holding and the success the Packers have had there. So really that's, uh, it's, it's only time will tell, but, um, I I think it's going to be an exciting competition. They're both great guys. I mean, I covered Peter, uh, when he was in high school here at Green Bay, Notre Dame, right down a a mile and a half away from the stadium. So, um, it's going to be interesting and, and they're both guys you root for. So I think that's going to probably be the most difficult part of it is there's two really good human beings on the field and obviously only one job. See, that's it again. Football is so damn romantic. I mean, people have heard of this <laughs> kid and thought local kid, can it be it? You know, it just, I don't know. There's something so nice about the whole story. And again, uh, journalists of your standard tend to highlight that even more. And it just becomes this almost Hollywood style you know, yeah. movie storyline. But Wes, I won't hold you anymore because uh, I know you're probably a very busy man trying to deliver top quality digital content to all of us. But <laughs> if we can leave it on this point, and again, whether your fan hat is on or off, could you give a prediction now about what the end will be for the Packers this coming season? Does it end with a Ooh. Super Bowl win? Is there, Even in the regular season, do you see us going as far as 13 wins or is it going to be harder than what the schedule looks I- like? I th- I think this is definitely a year in which the Packers could get to 13, um, yeah. you know, 12, 13 wins. And the reason I say that, I mean, you keep in mind, it's, it is the most favorable strength of schedule in the league based on the records from last year. Now, obviously one thing that we know more than anything is teams rise in the fall in the NFL constantly, but yeah. from an on paper perspective, it looks pretty promising, a challenging second half stretch. Uh, but, but I do think this is a year in which they can, they can get to that, you know, that double well into the double digit mark again, 13 is tough. I mean, you gotta be, yeah. you gotta be pretty dominant to get that done. And obviously as we've learned with Carolina this year, that doesn't guarantee you anything when yeah. you get to 15 wins in the playoffs. But I think the one thing, and it's, it's a cliche and, and I know it's not fun and it doesn't make for good soundbite, but I mean, when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, and I know last year tested this a little bit because of the problems that the offense had, Yeah, but when you have one of those top five, top three, top one uh, quarterbacks <laughs> in the league, when you have a difference maker, you know what I'm saying? Like a yeah, franchise yeah. QB, 
you're going to have a chance. Even last year, you know, Drew Brees, as many struggles as the New Orleans Saints had, Drew Brees had a pretty darn good year. It was just that their defense really struggled. Um, Aaron Rodgers and the way that they've structured this defense, I think gives the Packers a chance to be in that Super Bowl hunt again. It's obviously the goal every year. I know Packer fans, um, since they won the Super Bowl in 2010, this has been the goal. So, okay, we need another one. Favre won one. Yeah. You know, we, he always wanted the second one. It didn't happen. Um, the thing about Rodgers, he's still in the prime of his career at 32. I, I, I don't, I can't, it's so hard. I can't, you know, be like, yep, they're going to do it. And this will be their record. And Rodgers will throw for 5,000 yards and it'll be great. But, um, if, if things line up, you know, and, and, and people stay healthy and, and, you know, they play to that standard that they feel like they've set. Uh, I, I certainly think they can be in that conversation again this year and, and definitely, um, in the, the rank, you know, the bid and the running there to, uh, you know, bring home that that uh, fifth Lombardi trophy. A very cerebral answer. And I'm going I'm <laughs> to add to that, Wes, right, with a load of Hollywood malarkey. And I'm going to say it's destiny because what yeah. happened against the Seahawks, insanity. We should have definitely went the full hog. Then what happened in the playoffs, even when it seemed like, you know, we had a bit of a stuttering offense, you know, to be beaten on a 75-yard run, uh, by Larry Fitzgerald, he gets it down, uh, you know, and then they get the touchdown two plays later. Right. Oh, it just, you know, it just seemed like it should have been us. So this season has to be, it has to be a Packers win. And that's, that's all my scientific knowledge. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave the stats aside and say, this is just going to happen. With, uh, with how much I know Packer fans have had their, their hearts kind of ripped out the last few years, you would have to think eventually the, the wind's going to turn here, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, the, the one the one thing I think that that's been fun though for you, you got to remember and I'm sure you know this the, the Packers I I went back to the Wikipedia page I, I knew all <laughs> this but I just wanted to see it in like the chart form yeah just how bad of a run the Packers <laughs> had from like 1972 to, to 90 you know with the one exception of that yeah I think it was the 87 season um, when they had 10 wins but didn't make the playoffs so pre yeah, there was such a bad run there. The fact that they've had a shot at this thing for basically every year since, you know, 1994, yeah. um, that's remarkable. And, yeah, everybody wants to win the Super Bowl. There's only – there's 32 teams. There's one title. But when you look at the issues, you know, the Packers' seven consecutive playoff appearances, you look at the issues teams like Cleveland and Jacksonville have had. Oh, yeah. in the Packers, based on the market size, based on things like that, they very easily could be – you know, and in, in, in that situation too. Yeah. But the run that they've had, the fans that have, that have uh, really rallied behind these teams the last few years, I, I, I agree with you. I think it would make a really good storybook ending um, or just chapter. But, uh, but again, there's a lot of things that have to happen between now and, you know, next February. And, and that's, uh, that's the fun part. That's the unknown.